0: Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Origin and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurntOrigination.com. Before we get started, though, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton with visibility. Share this with your friends, your co-workers, wherever you found it, whether it's Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, the aforementioned Apple Podcast, Share it with your friends. Subscribe. We'd love to have you as part of the conversation. Also, if you ever thought about starting a podcast, our podcast host, Podiant, is offering all of our listeners the opportunity to get a 14-day free trial of their premium services and then 25% after the first three months of the said premium services if you sign up using the code LONGHORN. Now, you if you've been listening to us for a while, you probably heard our back and forth about how Spotify hates us. Uh, well, within the last month, Spotify stopped hating us, and it's strictly because Podiant took care of all the hard stuff for us i clicked a button i said yep i agree to these terms and within seven days our podcast was on spotify so i say all that to say they handle the hard stuff so if you ever want to start getting into a podcast that is a great opportunity for you again go to podiant that's p-o-d-i-a-n-t dot c-o sign up using the offer code longhorn for a 14-day free trial of a premium membership and 25 percent off the next three months of that premium Membership. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week like I am every week, and I'm joined by my good friend, the illest, the realest, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you, man? Oh,
1: I am wonderful. Um, you know this about me, and, and it's time I fill the listeners in. There's only one thing I care about more than sports, and it's delicious, delicious food. And today I stumbled upon uh, in Houston's Chinatown district, an outdoor, uh, I'll call it a street food fiesta, um, just hibachis of delicious food. Um, Mostly Vietnamese, Cambodian, and Laotian street food. Um, and it was, you know, honestly the greatest thing that's happened to me. And I don't know. So this week is uh, is off to a roaring, roaring successful start. So belly's full and mind is, is full of takes as well.
0: I love it. I only got into Vietnamese food after my last trip to Houston. So I'm going to have to come back now that I actually know what's good for me, which is Vietnamese food. So I'm, I'm super Super hyped about that. So we've got a little bit of news for you off top. Then we've got an incredible interview uh, with our friends over at Wide Right and Natty Light. And then we will obviously close out the show, as we do every week, with Bang the Drum. So we are like three, four weeks away from the start of the season, which is just whew, so, so excited. Uh, I've made, I talked about this on Twitter, but they're showing... Previews or reviews of uh, show games from last year, and as soon as I turned on the football, my son knew exactly what to do and started screaming at the TV. <laughs> it is that time of year. Uh, so we're getting some preseason rankings as we are a couple weeks out. So Texas came out ranked 21st in the preseason coaches poll, and ESPN ranked them at number 22 in their power rankings in spite of, well, what has been Texas in recent history. So Kyle... As far as expectation goes for this year, if if Texas is expected to, or at least ranked in the preseason, to be, you know, top twenty five team. Does that line up with your expectations for the year or what do you expect out of out of this Longhorn team this year? Let,
1: let me lay a little disclaimer first here. I, I am of the firm belief that if we could all agree that multiple things can be true at the same time, um, that the world would be an utterly better place. So I'm going to lay two pieces of information out at the top and then we can discuss that of this effect. First, these mean nothing. Numbers, ratings <laughs> mean nothing before the season And second, also true, is that there is, I'm sure someone, probably Stanford, has done a a study um, somewhere to show, but there must be just a bit of confirmation bias with these polls that are voted on each week. If you start number 20 and you just kind of win and go through and do fine and you don't really you know you're not undefeated but you're not oh and whatever um, you're probably just going to kind of keep sliding up or down based on how you did that week so starting with a number next to your name just because on the ones that aren't computer driven that are voted AP or coaches or whatever voted by humans um, and there is some dispute about how much they those actually affect uh, you know affect the college football playoff the penalty the, the ultimate end-all be-all of, of you know decision making of, of who plays for the championship um, but You know, it matters in that sense. So get a number next to your name and then hey, don't lose and and keep winning and, and a number will stay next to your name and it'll just keep getting getting smaller. Um so, you know, in that sense, let me lay that all out there. It matters, but it doesn't matter. But We're talking, you know, to people listening to this, our fans of Texas football. Um, And so in that sense, it matters because it's happened before recently, but not as much as we would have liked it to that we come into a season with this energy and this hope um, and this passion and this feeling that this could be the year. I mean, we've been doing that, but but having, you know, a number in the 20s is higher than we would have liked in Texas. But it's also, you know, again, I keep repeating until we play. We are a seven win team based on last year. Um, So that's great. You know, that's that's probably you know, in the realm where we should be. Um, I hope that's, you know, the realm where we finish, if not a few spots better. I mean, best case scenario, what this is, we'll get into our preview, but 10 win nine to 10 win team. That's probably in your 15 to twenties at the end of the season ranking. So, you know, seems about right.
0: Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. You are what your record says you are. And seven wins is where we're at right now. So I don't I have zero expectations uh, as far as them being a top 25 team, simply because still don't know who the quarterback is going to be. Mm-hmm. Still don't know who a running back is going to be. Honestly, we're kind of in the dark about wide receivers. Offensive line still don't know. Like there are just too many questions for me to feel confident saying anything, but I hope they're good. Like I right. think that's where, where my mind goes immediately. It's like, there's no, there, there can be no other expectation until I have those questions answered. Now, Are they, is everything coming out of camp moving in a positive direction? Well, yeah, but. I mean, you ask any coach, and they had a great week, first few days of practice, and they had a great offseason, and guys are looking better, and both, like, you have zero indication. Until those pads are strapped up, and until Texas is on the field in Washington, D.C., playing a Maryland team that, honestly, is probably going to be better than a lot of people think, we have we have no way to know if they're the same 7-5 and five team they were a year ago, or if they're an 8-4 and four team, or if they're a, you know, whatever they're, they're, the case may be, uh, we don't know that until the pads are on and the lights are on.
1: Well, the nice thing is, is there are some pads on and that's a change uh, this week from, a from past. So, you know, we're, we're starting to at least in, and obviously you get the propaganda side of things, but you know, I've been hyped just seeing the the Instagram accounts and the Twitter accounts and the Facebook accounts, Texas football, seeing some pictures coming out, seeing some, you know, uh, getting at least the, the daily or bi-daily kind of debriefs in the press conferences and players and coaches and hearing again, you have to assume that's inflated a little bit, but um, we're actually talking about maybe not games wins and losses but we're talking about football and that's you know we're talking about real football that's being played on a field so we're getting there we're getting
0: close people blocking and or tackling at least now they can tackle because I think they're wearing pads or I don't know the NCAA rules are weird you know you've got like a day where you're just in helmets and then a day where you're just in shoulder pads and then you go to pads and it's just I don't know what the rules are, but they'll be tackling within the next seven days. We'll just call that that. So we did get, you know, a a kind of post first two days of practice uh, presser from Tom Herman today and some interesting things came out. So uh, we'll talk about a couple of them really quickly. So he didn't really name a ton of names, but they they said they're probably gonna have three go-to guys at receiver that they have a good idea about, three or four other rotational guys, two names that came up specifically were Josh Moore, Josh Moore's name came up probably three times. That presser uh, and Deshaun Jameson, who's currently playing both ways, uh, he mentioned you know that the running back talent level is raising a bit with the addition of uh, you know Kante Ingram and Trey Sanders, Kirk Johnson looking like an action hero on the field, just flexing those guns. Um, Freshman Sam Cosmi is competing at all four spots, not named center on the offensive line, which is interesting. Cam Rising got some first team reps. There's just a lot of good news coming out of camp. So uh, does this now have any indication or, or give you any sort of confirmation of where you're feeling this, this group is going?
1: Um, you know, there's a couple things that stood out just from what you said and from what I've heard. Um, you know, I, I like to hear that there's there's a bunch of guys at the running back position that, you know, maybe they, the names you don't immediately think about are also looking like guys because, you know, that, that stable being deep makes me feel good just because we don't have an established guy right now, um, but, you know. Sure, let's get anyone in there, but also because that's been a position that, you know, historically, both for Texas and in general has had some injury issues and everything. And so just having a next guy up mentality or a next guy this series mentality if they're all talented, um, is never a bad thing. You know? Um so so seeing some running back death and, and Kirk Johnson we've talked about on this podcast as a guy we're both rooting for big time. Um, just if his yards per carry is as big as his biceps, then, you know, he could be he could be a game changer. The dude's looking incredible out there. So I hope he can can you know be the monster he's looking like um line play I mean Cosme getting in there he's a guy redshirted so not one of the freshmen thrown into the fire last year but you know just depth on that position I heard junior angle has come in and looked like just you know a world beater looking as good as advertised um you know obviously Calvin Anderson has been um you know as good as advertised from from what we're hearing so line and running back and making that a big part of the game to go with the, the receivers that you talked about I think um, you know, gives reason for optimism for the offense. I think obviously for me, lights going off, uh Cam Rising taking some reps with the QB1s is exciting. I have been, you know, on team Cam. I love all our quarterbacks, you know, if if anyone wants to take us to a uh to a college football playoff, then I'll be their biggest fan. But right now when I just sit here and think, I think our future sits with Cam Rising. I'm I'm have no problem saying that and being held to that, but uh you know taking some reps, it's interesting. Who knows what will happen this year. Um, so yeah, I mean, all the Yancey McKnight work over the off seasons, hopefully will be paying off for these dudes. They're looking, looking jacked and, and, you know, shaking the rust off playing playing uh, coming out hot.
0: And the Cam rising thing, I definitely stuck out to me. I was texting you during the presser. Like the here's, here's what I like about the Cam rising thing. A guy who's good enough to take reps with the ones, but does not have to. Yes. That's that's a good feeling to have, where you've got a freshman who is talented enough to play with your best players, but does not have to because of bad recruiting or injuries or whatever it may be. Uh, and with you know the the, the new redshirt rule, it's going to be interesting to see you know how much live fire that guy gets. And you know Herman went out his way to mention Casey Thompson's also getting some reps and looks great. Which, if you've listened to our podcast before, then you know that Kyle and I think that you know the the two best quarterbacks on campus are not the guys that are listed 1 and 2 on the depth chart so uh we'll we'll leave that as it may be but uh, i'm just excited to see it with the positivity that's coming out of uh of camp obviously you know every every guy had the best offseason in the world uh, every guy has had the greatest uh you know uh feeling uh, or they had the greatest growth in the offseason so it's great to uh to really see these things going on
1: yeah and and just one note that there's two other guys we didn't talk about here but i wanted to shout out as duvernay is looking as fast as ever and more importantly as involved in the offense as we've both wanted to see and then our dude who we ride hard for uh represents central texas caden stearns um is a is a guy who has been on been a lot of lips of, of coaches and players and just looking good and i think it's going to be a guy uh, who's going to come in and contribute right away and that's uh that's a guy i'm looking forward to rooting rooting, uh, rooting for, for, for few years to come here
0: absolutely so one thing that we do have to mention even though i feel weird talking about it some other news came out uh of of the university and every year texas talks about our fans not texas but fans talk about alternate uniforms let's <laughs> let's go with the black jersey let's get first of all and feel free to tweet at me i'm at gh goodridge most of your photoshops of black jerseys look awful <laughs> Most of the ones that you pass around the internet look terrible and I would be ashamed to see the team on the field with those. I'm just gonna say it right now. Uh but so Texas actually is making some uniform changes this year and going back to some traditions. So uh in the in the tradition of Ricky Williams and Colt McCoy and Brian Arakpo, Texas is now switching for home games away from the white cleats and socks that they had been uh, using in previous years uh, and now switching back to black socks and black cleats for home games. This has zero impact on anything on the field other than literally the cleats touching the field. Uh, Kyle, is this news to you at all? And are you even, uh, at least I was, a little salty that they said, allow me to reintroduce myself over a picture of Brian Arakpo to only then reveal that it was about cleats.
1: Uh, Yeah, I thought Arakpo was going to be... Uh was going to be on the coaching staff or, 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 you know, we somehow found another year of eligibility through a loophole. Um, Come on with it. <laughs> no, uh, I, I was also disappointed. It's shoes. It's cool. I mean, Hey, Ricky did it. Colt did it. Vince did it. So let's add the next chapter of, of winning a lot, um, winning big awards, winning big bowl games in black shoes um, and black socks. Again, obviously we'll keep the, the stormtrooper ice whites on the road, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, Okay, sure. That's it for me.
0: This has zero bearing on anything other, other than, all right, cool. Like that. If 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 it makes you play better. You know, you and I are both believers in look good, feel good, play good.
1: Now, I will say that um, when I played, uh, you know, I was usually the first one in the locker room and I'm not the guy that they're talking about like, oh, he's watching tape. I got there early because I had a routine and a regimen. It's specifically how I put my eye black on, you know, which armbands went on first. I mean, I was I mean, I'm pretty. I can't help that. You know, I look good, but. I, I legitimately, like, I went to, I went on a road game, and I forgot. It wasn't even my gloves. I was a receiver, of course. It wasn't even my glove It was, like, a set of armbands, and I didn't play as well. Like, I couldn't – felt like I couldn't catch the ball because, you know, I felt naked without my, uh, my armor, you know, I put on. So I get it. You know, it matters. It does. My brother always talked about when he went to Texas State – um, you know, and, and they switched over and they redesigned the uniforms. And that was the year that their football team won games for the first time in like 10 years. Um, you know, that that, that had a, a factor in it is all of a sudden they, they felt like they were, you know, real, real athletes on a real team playing football. So I get it. You know, it matters to players. It's something. Texas doesn't change their uniform too much. So it's something for these kids. I mean, remember, these are kids to get excited about. So it's not bad, but, you know, we can move on. One other piece of news, and I, and I just added this in, and I'm sorry to spring it on you, um, but I found it kind of cool just because, you know, it's exciting. Um, incoming freshman golf sensation, Cole Hammer, um, just recently, I believe today, maybe last or yesterday, uh, no, today, Sunday, we're recording, um, won the Western amateur title. Um, which is which is a cool thing um, to do. I mean, it's one of those tournaments that you have an amateur in that puts you on the radar. Um, he's one of the hot golf prospects. He's he's a guy who uh, I think he played with with uh, Spieth a few years ago. So there's a Texas connection there. Um, but honestly, I mean, he's he's one of the hottest uh, incoming freshman golfers, which is a very cool thing. You know, to to keep that tradition going on. I, you know, we have Spieth. Obviously, we talked about Doug Yim and just some of this. So I'm I'm loving Texas golf right now, but. I think more important than the win is that Texas golf now has an incoming freshman named Cole freaking hammer. Um, This, this guy is instantly on the top of my all time, you know, great name longhorn team. So I don't know if you have any, anything to add since I just sprung it on you. Um, But I'm, I'm psyched for Cole hammer in the Texas golf uh, 2018.
0: I mean, Cole hammer is officially the best name on campus. I'm not even on campus anymore, but I'm a firm believer that that Cole hammer uh, is at least in the conversation for best name, uh, best name on campus. So I'm, I absolutely love it. We are officially 26 days away from football season, which just feels phenomenal to say we are uh, two weeks out from the end of our 2018 season preview. And so we have the distinct pleasure of welcoming and managing editor of wide, right. And Natty light Levi Stevenson, Levi, how are you doing today? I am excellent. A little bit tired
2: from all my road trip in the last week, but uh, we're we're uh, ready to talk some Cyclones.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I do want to start this off by saying I have a coworker, and I told him I'd say this. He is firmly convinced that Iowa State is going to win the uh, win the conference this year. So, just wanted to start off with that. I like your friend. He it seems to be a smart man. <laughs> you, you know what? As as Kyle and I dove in, it felt uh, it started to feel more and more. Uh, r- like in the realm of possibility, I think is the way to say that. Uh, so let's just kick it off. We're going to do something it's a different. Weird way to say, it, not it? Yeah, it, it's whew, it's interesting. Uh, so let's uh, let, we're going to start this differently than most of our interviews that we do. We usually start at the quarterback spot, but uh, you know, let's let's just talk just Iowa State in general. Um, so last year, Iowa State eight and five really great season when it when push comes to shove upset OU and TCU had a really like kind of, they were on the verge of going basically what 12 and like 12 and one, like, you know, having the best season in school history. Uh, so how is, how is the mood uh, up there? How are people feeling? What's the excitement around uh, that program feel like? Well,
2: <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the quote unquote hype train there is uh, screaming off the rails, uh, headed straight, headed straight for doom and or happiness. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're dead, right? I mean, last year it was eight, you know, it was a seven and five regular season, but pretty easily could have been, could have been nine and three, could have been 10 and two. Um, especially look at the games like Kansas state and Oklahoma state. We don't need to get into those. Cause those will get me uh, not happy. Um, so, uh, oh, we won't get too far into those, but those two two games easily could have could have pulled those out. Um, the Iowa game was an overtime loss. Could have, you know, that's another close loss. Um, really, the only the only game the entire year that just that was not it was close, but never really felt like we were in it was the Texas game. Uh, but it was still only a like ten point game. Even in the it was 17-7 seven final score. And Jacob Park played. Am I allowed to swear on this? And uh, so. We get out there, and honestly, though, that, that was the first time that the, uh, you know, pseudo best or second best defense in the Big 12 uh, showed up. We had held Texas at 17 points. That was the first time they showed up after that bye week. Um, I'm convinced that if, and, and I, I'm really convinced that if, uh, if post-Oklahoma Iowa State, October Iowa State plays, replays the Texas game, replays the Iowa game, Uh, for sure i think we take the iowa game texas game i think it's a i think it's a at least a 50 50 shot that we can take that um you know so it's a it's it was so close we were i mean it's you know ended up at seven five because you know have some close losses there that's the sign of a a, of a program that's still learning how to win those big games um but you could just see it was so close so i think i think the combined points for all the losses was like 21 points combined for all five losses i mean that's insane
0: so with that being said do you do you kind of see them kind of continuing on that momentum or do you feel like this could be a a regression season like what's what's the the hopes and fears or what i guess as a as an impartial observer what do you think
2: boy as an impartial observer i not <laughs> ready for
0: that uh no but um so uh i think there's there is
2: a lot of reason to believe that this isn't this isn't just like a, they had a good year and you know you know, be better like kinda like Paul Rhodes' first year when he when he took that team to a bowl game, won an inside bowl, won the inside bowl against Minnesota. Um, I think there's a, there's significantly more reason to be to believe that this is their they're actually taking that step. because um, he's this the offensive line is the best it's looked since I don't know, Coleccio Assembly, uh, 2011. I mean it's I mean it's it's and it's probably looking better than that right now. There's more talent there for sure. Uh, better size. there's for the for the first time that I can even remember being, I mean, it's got since at least since Dan McCarney, like in the mid two thousands and that like 2005 team that can almost, almost got to the title game. Uh, the Iowa state is on the two deep at every single spot, every single position on the two deep. There is not just big 12 caliber talent, but like there at some spots there's high end big 12, talent, you know, where you're talking two or three best at their position in the conference. Uh, in the case of like he Butler, Dave Montgomery, uh, Kyle camp, uh, uh, both of the corners, de- uh, Brian PV, Deandre Payne, uh, Willie Harvey's a great, great linebacker. Ray Lima is probably the most underappreciated defensive player in the conference. Um, one of the best, de- one of the best nose tackles, things like that. So, and the kind of the reason I can see that key moving forward is because of that strength on the interior, that is actually finally showing up last, even last year, you have all you have. You have all these great weapons. You have all the rece- you have you have an entire forest of receivers. You have all of these. You have you have Dave Montgomery that shows up apparently is just a uh, you know, demigod. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and uh, so you have all that, but the offensive line was not good at all. It was very not good. Uh, Dave Montgomery averaged about it was just like four point. It? it was like four point two, four point two yards a carry. Um, his average yards after contact per carry was three.
0: Which wow. means he got
2: on average he got hit basically at the line of scrimmage and created four yards on his own every single play, and that just that just makes his his eleven hundred rushing yards that much more impressive because he was running behind nothing, nobody, and nothing.
1: I think firm firm belief that David Montgomery is the best running back in the conference, and I think it's not close. I think he's certainly one of the better running backs in the country. Um, so so I'm curious just to kind of take it back and look from a uh, zoom out a little bit. So the Big Twelve is not a really a running conference there's a couple teams you know West Virginia has incorporated kind of the spread run I think Texas looks to do that if they could um, but how is, is Iowa State going to be the outlier? I mean, what I'm just kind of expecting this season from y'all is that uh, we see a heavy dose of Montgomery, and y'all have some talented backs in the stable behind him. Is it just a heavy dose of Montgomery to open up the pass? Or are you going to work a bunch of two backs in? I mean, what what do you think that uh, that offense looks like for Iowa State?
2: Yeah, the offense is actually, as far as what it looks like on a play-to-play basis, it's actually be really fascinating to watch because they do have so much talent, not just at the running back position, but then you have all those receivers, and then you have – uh, a really nice tight end room chase Allen was preseason first team all big 12 tight end and he caught like five passes last year <laughs> uh, so i mean that, i mean that kind of tells now one that kind of tells you how weak the big 12 is to start tight end right but that also i mean you don't just get first team all big 12 by being a trash tight end i mean no. there's there's a lot of hope there so uh matt kale's philosophy has always been a very balanced attack where it's you know a, a really good 50 50 split and last year they did hit that 50 50 split almost dead on um so i mean dave montgomery is obviously too good to not try to lean on him he's three down bell horse you know three down workhorse back all that i mean same the same thing he projects in the nfl as and the, why he's projected to be probably the first running back taken in next year's draft is because he can be that three down back he's you know he can get any play he wants he can split out you could split him out, put him in the slot. I mean, Matt Campbell's called him one of the better runner, route runners on the team, even as a running back. Um, so he's going to be all over the place. So then uh, you have all that talent behind you. You have Mike Warren. He ran for 1,300 yards as a freshman. Right, a guy who hurt
1: Texas. I mean, Texas fans know the Mike yep. Warren name. David Montgomery is a bit of a surprise. I was worried about him. Cold sweat yeah. still.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you have him, and then you have Johnny Lang, who's going to be a redshirt freshman. He's, he's only like – he's a 5'8". He's very much – he's not – not as not as thick, and I'm not I'm not trying to like set crazy expectations for him, but he's kind of a Darren Sproles type of guy where he can play anywhere you he want. He's shifty, he's quick, things like that. Not not as not as like not not like muscle hamster Darren Sproles kind of thing, but you know he's that kind of player. Um, and he, he'll probably put more weight on as he as he goes through. Um, and then you have Kenedy Wangu, who is probably the most exciting running back not named Dave Montgomery. Uh, he sat out last year because he actually. Uh, popped his Achilles tendon uh, a year ago in February. So February of 2017 Um, coaches thought he might actually be able to make it back. And he probably could have been back in mid October or something like that. Um, But coaches actually said that they, they held him off to the side because they, they had never dealt with a player with his type of explosiveness before. So they didn't know how to handle his Achilles, which is saying something. I mean, obviously coaches can coaches can talk that stuff up. I mean, if that, I mean, if that is truly genuine, they had never experienced a player of that explosiveness before, that's saying something. I mean, they those guys coached Kareem Hunt. Those guys coached lots of really good players. Um, I mean, he's going to be – he'll get carries out of the backfield. They'll put. They'll probably run two back sets with him and Dave Montgomery. They'll, they've already talked about We know that they're going to put run uh, Kene out in the slot, things like that. He uh, was one of the best kick returners in the country his freshman year. He ran a kickback against West Virginia ran it back for a touchdown. Um, I would say if eventually whenever he does do a pro day after he graduates or after his junior year, or whatever it is, uh, it would shock me if he doesn't hit the low, th- low four threes, I would say on a 40, it would, it would, it would shock me. He is, um, from day one, from the day he showed up on campus before his freshman year. If you ask anybody on staff, any of the players, you said, who's the fast guy team. They said, Kane. didn't even didn't, didn't miss a beat. Just went right to Kane. um, and so kind of to circle back around in any ways you'll see plenty of David Montgomery don't worry we are I mean we we want to see plenty of David Montgomery if he's if, if Dave Montgomery is getting 35 carries a game that means we're probably winning um and that's what we would like to see that then you know to counteract that though Matt Campbell does like a balanced uh balanced attack you have a good quarterback that's proven to be a very good efficient quarterback he's probably top you know i would say it's pretty pretty inarguably he's top 4 i think he's got a pretty good case for 2 or 3 um, after will greer he's probably i would say he's probably got a pretty good argument for second or third best in the conference um, and then you have hakeem butler on the outside you have all of these great receiver weapons um, which we can get in the, dig, dig into them a little bit more too that's a really that's a position group that's could be that's probably going to be better than last year which is kind of saying something <laughs> um, so you know to, yeah. The long, the, the short answer to a long explanation is you'll see play in Dave Montgomery, but it won't, it won't
0: rely on him. I don't think. So you know, you 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 talked up the offense and and. I I'm now officially terrified. Uh, <laughs> but one guy that Kyle and I talked about last year, going into to the Iowa state game, uh, was Alan Lazard, who won on the all all time, all names team. And two is, you know, kind of a generational guy at wide receiver for, for Iowa state. Uh, so replacing him three of the top four receivers. Um, is this going to be like the Hakeem Butler year or, or who else is going to step up in that, in that spot to fill, what what is honestly a big hole for Iowa State?
2: That's a great question, and I think um, people that uh, like those who aren't deeply involved in the program, like a lot of Cyclone fans are, are it's a perfectly fair question, and it's um, to ask because Alan Lazard is you know pretty and arguably the best receiver to ever. Wear a cardinal in
1: gold. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, Todd Blythe might have something to say about <laughs> <laughs> that.
2: Well, actually, it's funny though because if you ask Todd Blythe, he'll tell you Alan Lazard. Plus, the only <laughs> the only receiving record that Todd Blythe still owns is the career touchdown record. And I would argue that it's only because Alan Lazard played on two completely trash teams his first two years. <laughs> so, um, fair enough. So, anyways, um, uh, we all. I mean, we saw plenty of Akeem. Like, Ever a lot of people saw what Keen Butler can do last year. I mean, he's he's an inch taller than Alan Lazard, and he's probably a four four guy at the combine. I mean, he's he's all every bit of that. He's a better he's a better draft prospect than Alan Lazard is now. He's not quite as big and physical. He's he's a different kind of player. He's not like He's not a guy that you, he's just, he can literally just out anybody on the field. But he is, you know, he's six 6'6. He's a, he is every bit of a deep threat as you could ever possibly want out of a receiver. So, I mean, he, and even, he was even his, uh, I think it was in the middle of 2000, the 2016 season when Hakeem was just a freshman that Matt actually said that he was probably the most talented receiver in the room. Okay. And that room had Alan Lazard in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's, that's saying a lot. And we saw a glimpse of it, especially like uh, looking like in the Baylor game. That was probably the most, that was one of the best catches I've ever seen. Uh, where he was, I don't know. Do you guys remember that play at all?
1: I absolutely sports center, but walk us through it second by second.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. So basically, uh, he was actually, we actually called it the Hakeem Feller touchdown play last year because it was whenever he lined up in the slot, he'd run a seam straight up because then you'd have a linebacker on a six, six receiver that can run a four four. Right. Uh, that's a bad matchup for the defense. So you're going up top. These the, has got the safeties playing deep. The corner is just behind him. And the ball's up in the air. Uh, Zeb Nolan chucks a perfect deep ball. Goes up. Uh, the defender starts kind of draping over. He's got a hand basically on Hakeem's helmet, essentially. And Hakeem just sticks his arm out almost a full second before the football actually gets there. In perfect carrying position, the ball hits his arm exactly where you would want to carry it. And then he shakes off about three defenders, almost stumbles down, and runs the last 15 yards in the end zone. It was unbelievable. If, any, if anyone listening has never seen that play, it is, it is worth watching. It is one of the most incredible catches I've ever seen. The, the um, Bill
1: Braski of Midwestern receivers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly
2: what he is. Yeah, so now we, can, we can keep talking about Keen Butler all day and night, um, but we talk about depth a little bit, too. A guy that came on last season – uh, later, later on, he was a Juco transfer named Matt Eaton. He's a six, four receiver, uh, had two touchdown catches versus Texas tech, uh, showed lots and lots of promise. He's a very similar guy, uh, similar set to Alan Lazard. Now he's a, he's probably 15 pounds lighter and about an inch shorter. Same, same type of player though. Um, another good vertical threat, uh, very, very good route, runner, r- very good route runner. He'll probably, he'll likely play opposite of Akeem Butler. Um, so, well, but I mean, even Hakeem will, could end up playing some of that slot like he did last year because nobody, no, no linebacker could ever hope to cover him. Um, so then you, you keep going. Uh, Deshante Jones is another guy. He's a he's five eleven slot receiver. Uh, he had six touchdown catches as a, as, a, as a true freshman two years ago. Last year uh, faded back a little bit, but I'm gonna I would I would largely attribute that to just all the talent in front of him and the talent that emerged last year. Uh, but it's, like I said, that's a guy that caught six down six touchdown passes his uh, red, his true freshman year um, as a slot receiver. So there's there's definitely a lot of talent there. He's a very shifty guy. Um, behind them, you have a guy named Tariq Milton, who the coaches have not stopped raving since he showed up on campus. They've been they just cannot stop talking about Tariq Milton, how he's just a home run threat every time he touches the ball. Uh, do you guys remember uh, a guy named Jarvis West?
0: I don't M- mildly. Yeah, so
2: he that's that's completely fair. <laughs> he's on some very very forgettable teams. Uh, he was a slot receiver for Iowa State. He had dreads. He was about five eight. He had dreads. He returned kicks and punts and had was a receiver. He threw a touchdown pass against Kansas State. He did all of this stuff. And he was he's he's one of the shiftiest guys I've ever seen in a Cyclone uniform. He was unbelievable. Um, but Tariq Milton is very much like that. He's very very shifty and he's he's really quick. So that's a guy that you'll want to keep like, keep an eye. He's a redshirt freshman uh, named Tariq Milton. Keep an eye on him. Then you have a guy named Jalen, a guy named Jalen Martin. He's like six, he's like six three, six four, or something like that. Um, pretty well built kid. He came out against Oklahoma State, made a really nice catch. Uh, came on right towards the end of the year. There's a lot of talent there. Um, then there's a couple freshmen that I don't, I'm not sure if they'll get a ton of playing time, but they'll get some playing time for sure, especially with the new redshirt rule, which is going to be huge for Iowa State. Um, a guy named Joseph Skates came in. He was a high, high four star receiver. Uh, came in. He's up from Dayton, Ohio. He, he actually had an Alabama offer, had an Ohio state offer, came to Iowa state. Um, that's a guy that a lot of people are really, really excited about. Um, I think I would be, he'll, he'll get his four games for sure. If the staff ends up burning a red shirt, that wouldn't necessarily shock me a lot. He's a really talented kid. Um, then you have Sean Shaw guy out of Oklahoma, uh, three, like kind of a mid three-star receiver. He's six, six, seven. (laughs) Um, He'll, he'll be he'll be yeah he's actually taller than Hakeem Butler still um so he's gonna be yeah, yeah, yeah great um so he'll be he'll get his playing time for sure he's another guy that uh he he'll, he'll be just he's in line to be the next next great tall cyclone receiver um then another guy Carson Schleker came out of Texas um I think he competed with Texas Tech and TCU for an offer um we got him he's another real shifty guy kind of very much in the same mold as uh, like Tariq Milton and Shante Jones, nice slot guy that'll be in there. Um, at the very top end, yeah, we'll have to see where Hakeem can go. He's obviously extremely good. We'll see where he can develop from there. If he can really be that, he, he can be that X receiver on the outside, can really just take over a game like Alan Lazard could. Because I mean, the great thing about Alan Lazard is you could throw it. if you throw it within fifteen feet of him, he was probably going to catch it. Whatever. We'll see, and and we'll see if Hakeem Butler can. I'm nowhere, I don't think anybody's expecting him to become that. But he's a different threat. He's a better deep threat than Alan Lazard is because you can throw it ahead of him, uh, which is something different. We'll see if Kyle Kemp can throw it ahead of him, but that's a that's a different thing. We'll we'll get to Kyle Kemp in a little while. Um, there's a lot of uh, especially early training camp stuff that a lot of the Cyclone insiders that have actually gotten to go on to gotten to go to practice uh, have been saying this is this receiver group this year is better
0: than last year's. It's wow. Deeper. Okay.
1: Yeah, you. That's, uh,
0: again, terrifying.
1: Yeah, you, you've certainly uh, haunted the nightmares. I mean, I thought uh, Alan Lazard, who I used to call L.M. Lazard, the, the fourth evolution of, of Charizard, was bad because he could.
2: It's Al Cucino, actually. Oh,
1: okay. Good to know. Good to know. I like that a lot, actually. I thought that was bad, but now, you know, I'm. I'm in, a, I'm in a decent uh, sweat. But the, the one thing, the last piece of the offense to talk about there is you mentioned Kemp. And he was a guy who, you know, I think we faced Jacob Park. And obviously, you know, a, a difference in situation at the end of the year there for y'all. But as you kind of settled down, it kind of coincided with Kemp coming in, being like you said, efficient. I uh, I saw a stat that he threw the highest percentage of, of balls under three seconds of all the the P5 quarterbacks. So he's basically a guy who's going to sling it, going to get it out there, not going to lose the game in his hands. Is, is that the quarterback that we will see all of 2018, or are you looking for another evolution as him as the QB one for, for Iowa?
2: Um he's a Kyle Kemp is an extremely smart guy. He's a computer science major. He's got like, well, she has a computer science degree. Now he's in his master's program. Um, he is an extraordinarily smart guy. He's, he's everything a coach could ever ask for. If, if you ever, I don't know if you've ever like seen him after he does anything, he looks the same. Like, that guy, that guy is going to look the same when his, like, first kid is born. <laughs> like, he's going to like gonna like, cool, good. <laughs> like, that's, like, that's that's where Kyle Kemp is going to be. You know, you know he's, he's the most level-headed guy you could ever ask for. He doesn't make mistakes. Um, it, really, the the main knock on him last year was that he was kind of a skinny guy because he never really had to bulk up as a starter. He was kind of a skinny guy. But in, uh, in the offseason, he put on, like, 15 or 20 pounds of muscle. I mean, if you see a picture of him now, he's got – He's got guns he's like he's got there and he's and coaches say he's can he's consistently got more zip on his passes you know he can throw it 10 yards f- further down the field things like that which is that was the main knock on Kyle was his kind of lack of arm strength uh, we call it, like I, I I know I tweeted out during multiple games is that Kyle Kemp was basically just old Peyton Manning <laughs> <laughs> so it's you know, the noodle arm but he's, he knows what he's doing but you know it's just kind of a, just kind of flying all just kind of floating everywhere um so I think Kyle Kemp, but he's putting, he put on more weight, put on a lot more muscle. He's going to have some zip on his throws. going to be a little bit more durable. Uh, so you'll see a lot of the same. You'll, you'll see a lot of the same Kyle Kemp you saw last year. That's a uh, very efficient, a great game manager, very much in the mold, of like an Alex Smith, very much like that kind of guy. Um, but he, he might throw more interceptions this year because there's a pretty good chance that they're going to try to test him more and try to, they're going to try to push the ball downfield with Hakeem Butler, with, uh, with uh, Matt Eaton, with Tariq Milton, with joseph skates all these guys they're going to try to push that ball down the field a little bit farther because they have the weapons and now kyle Kempt has the arm strength to get it down the field a little bit farther um and that, i think that that's a trade-off i think most cyclone fans will take a few more interceptions for a few more touchdown passes i think they'll be okay with
0: that and as and as we talked about before i think a few more touchdown passes is really what separated iowa state from an all-time season last year so oh, yeah.
2: Absolutely, I mean, literally three touchdown passes,
0: yep. twenty-one
2: points. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, so last year's defense, I'd be remiss not to talk about. It. it was a stellar unit. It had a big effect for both of our teams, actually. You know, Orlando, who was our defensive coordinator, and I think just a genius, basically saw what y'all did and molded that. You know, the Texas defense that really, after that game, you know, turned it up and then continued to turn it up the rest of the season. Um, but I mean, the, the talk about the Iowa State defense itself, um, y'all really came out and put it on people. I think that that was one of the keys. Your, your great year but you did lose the literal quarterback of the defense um my favorite non longhorn player in the country joel lanning um last year you know who moved from quarterback obviously everyone knows the story played middle linebacker just a, a great guy is now on the cowboys roster i believe so just doing good things but is there enough returning out
2: they actually have him. live they've actually haven't him, had him long snapping a little bit over the summer <laughs>
1: That's so he's doing another what can't thing, the guy yeah. do yeah he's like a 1940s yeah you know he, after the war, I get no, um, <laughs> no, I mean, so tell me about some of the guys. I know there's some names and some talent, you know, coming back, at least half that defense is back with Jaquan Bailey, et cetera, Brian yep. Peavy. Yep. Uh, I mean, yep. you held so many teams to, 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 under 20 points. You, you had the talent. What does it look like this year? Again, is it, I'll ask the same type of question. Is it building from there growing or is it just trying to bring new guys in the fold to sustain what we did last year?
2: Yeah. Actually, kind of the, the most amazing part of that defense was not just the it was actually that they held, held uh, every single opponent from Oklahoma on ten points below their scoring. Wow. average Besides Oklahoma State, wow. that's the only one that they didn't. And they actually held West Virginia like twenty two, like twenty four points below their average. Things like that. Uh, so I mean, uh, the the defense one hundred percent revolves around Ray Lima. He is, I I mean, I think it was an absolute crime that he didn't get first team. All Big 12 uh, on the defensive line. There, I think it was. I think he was robbed because um, that guy, he consistently eats up double teams on every single play. He's still making tackles in the backfield. Things like that. I mean, he is unbelievable. You get Jaquan Bailey, who is he's going to be when he is done. He will be the all-time sack leader at Iowa State. He's only got eight. He's only got eight sacks to go, and he's only a junior. Um, so he'll he'll make it there. If, actually, if he if he ties the Iowa State single-season record, he will also tie the career record. Breaks a single-season record, breaks the career record in the same year. That'd be, that'd be really cool to see if he gets it because it's eight and a half as the, as the season record. So if he gets nine sacks this year, he'd have owned the single-season and career records by the time he's being uh, at the end of his junior season. So he's a special pass rusher. You have, Guy, uh, then you have Ray Liam in the middle holding it down because what that evolved to... Uh, they started with a four down. With they started with four down, just kind of a standard four, three, four, two, five type thing, uh, to start the year because they did uh, face some running teams early on. You and I is always a good running team. Iowa is Iowa, and then we play. And then we played, then we played uh, you know, played Akron, who had a good run, has a good running back. So they tried four down, and then they tried it against Texas. And it, well, actually, sorry, they didn't try it against Texas because then you had the bye week after Akron because they saw something wasn't quite right. Because if you allow forty-four points to Iowa, that's a yeah. problem. Because they're bad <laughs> on the offense um, now. Nate Stanley and Akron Wildly, they're good. But <clears throat> anyways, so, uh, so they they had a bye week after the Akron game before they played Texas. They switched to like kind of a three two six type thing. If you play Madden, it's a quarter defense. Um, so you play. They switched to that, um, and then all the and that really. I mean, you have, then you have, you, know, you have five, six defensive backs on the field, which is a huge – I mean, that's, that's a, lot of, a lot of D-backs, especially with a team that has as many good D-backs as Iowa State has. Um, if you can have three down linemen, and they were still one of the best uh, teams against the run, not just in the Big 12, but in the country. They were, like, top 20 in the country in run defense last year. Um, and that was playing a three-down line most of the year. And that just that, – I mean, that speaks to how good Ray Lima was because he was just eating up that middle. Jaquan Bailey, then you have Joel Lanning. Coming in, like as you mentioned, you know, quarterback, literal quarterback at the defense. You know, he was coming in there, eating up tackles, led the team in tackles. Um, I, think he, I think he cleared 100 tackles, um, playing like a thousand plays or something silly like that. And the, like I think, he, I think that's what he said. he cleared a thousand plays last year between the defense and offense. Um, so going into this year, uh, well, actually, and a guy that's been on the defense and the linebackers that's been he's been around for a while. He's been around since Paul Rhodes was here. It was a guy named Willie Harvey. Uh, he's been a very good linebacker, very productive linebacker for a long time. And there's a lot of people that think he's probably a mid-round draft pick at falling this season. He's you know, right in that third, fourth round range. He's a very good linebacker. Uh, and then the guy that kind of really showed up last year, became a, kind of a, a star on the defense, is Marcel Spears. Another great linebacker. He, he made the the game-winning interception against TCU. Uh, he picked off Kenny Hill there. And he actually ran a, he ran a pick six back against Texas Tech as well. He uh, showed out. He's got all the lookings of a great coverage linebacker. So you have those two in there. Um uh you still have all of your you still have both of the corners back, uh Brian Peavy and DeAndre Payne. Uh Brian Peavy graded out as like the I want to say it's like the third best corner in college football last year for per PFF. I think he was graded out as like by far the best one in the Big Twelve. Like it wasn't that close. Um so you have Brian Peavy there and a guy that like DeAndre Payne, that's very good. People don't always remember him because you got Brian Peavy on the other side, but DeAndre Payne's a very, very good open field tackler. Uh, if, if the screens over there usually get eaten eaten up pretty quick when he's on that side of the field um and he actually can move around he's got a lot of versatility too his first year at iowa state he played some of what we call the star position it's kind of that nickel corner that kind of goes around he's kind of a hybrid safety defensive back he can play that um so he he may you may see him play a little bit of that because uh, they have a couple corners on the Roger armless zuna and detrone young that they've been talking about detrone young especially as a uh, a name that's been coming out of camp that the coaches are just absolutely in love with. Um, so you could definitely see DeTron Young across from Brian Peavy with DeAndre Payne and Roman in that star position. Um, the safeties are a little bit different. They're going to be new, but they're not, they're young, but they're not necessarily inexperienced per se. Cause Lawrence White is just a sophomore, but he did play in all, he did play in all 12 games last year, including the bowl game. Um, and then he, and then you have Greg Eisworth, who came in, he's a Juco, he's a Juco transfer, but he did start his career at Ole Miss um, so there's there's a, there's a good uh, a good pedigree there. I guess you want to call it that. Comes out yeah, comes out of junior college. I mean, the staff has been I mean raving about him, and he's going to be solid. I would say State has actually had a good safeties fairly fairly regularly for a long time. Uh, you know, Kamari Cotton, Steve Paris, uh, Nick Mosier, all these guys. We had we've had sa- a pretty good safety pretty consistently, um, almost as consistently as having good linebackers actually amongst a awful defense, <laughs> but, but, you know, individual guys. Um, so Greg Isworth has every, he looks every bit the part. It's just another, another good cyclone safety, another good, reliable guy. He's not going to let anything behind him, can come up and make hits over the middle, things like that. So he's a, he'll be more stable probably than even like last year because uh, Kamari Cottonway tended to be a little bit, he was very good when he was in, but he tended to be a little bit injury prone. Um, he's a different kind of player. Greg Eisworth is a better coverage guy. Kamari was an excellent, excellent run stopper. He was uh, one of the comparisons I made. He's kind of a poor man's Bob Sanders. I mean, oh yeah, ah, fucking Iowa. <laughs> I hate that I made that in I, as an Iowa reference, but that's it is what it is. He's a, he's a, he was a poor man's Bob Sanders. He was an excellent, excellent run support guy, and he was a little shaky in coverage, especially deep coverage. Uh, so he was vulnerable to being hit out there. Uh, but Greg Eisworth is a much better coverage guy. Maybe not have quite as good at run support. Um, but now you have two extremely experienced linebackers that know what they're doing, big, really productive linebackers. You have the best, probably, you know, it's going to be the best defensive end in, in school history. You have one of the best nose tackles in school history. And then you have, on the other side of, the, of, the, of those two, you have another D end. Anya uh, Uruzureke is kind of the incumbent, or not the incumbent, but he's kind of the projected starter right now. And coaches are, you know, all over him. They, they love him coming out of practice, uh, talking him up just as much as they are Jaquan Bailey. Uh, so you don't necessarily need that run stopper coming in from the safety spot. Um, so there's certainly the safety spots are certainly the biggest questions on the field, but they're not as big of worries to to cyclone fans that haven't really been watching um, because they, they're young, but they did play all last, sorry all last season, or they do come from nice pedigrees and they've been showing out really well. So I think uh, the defense definitely is going to, I think early in the schedule, it'll still be that four down, It'll still be that four down set that we that they've been trying to get going because they do play Iowa early on. They play South Coast State, who's a good running team. Um, they have some good running teams early on. Then Oklahoma shows up. They'll probably go back to that three right. down, I would right. imagine, because because if you can have three down, if you can have three down and two linebackers and all those safeties, that it makes it a little bit easier to bottle up a guy like Kyler Murray.
0: So with that, let's let's move on to I think the part of the podcast that all of our listeners have been uh, have been waiting for. So we didn't prep you for this, so I, I apologize. Okay. Some gotcha journalism right. here, uh, but we do at the end of all of these interviews, uh, we ask some some questions, I guess, based maybe on stereotypes or uh, just things that we may think are funny or trolly or memey right. about a particular school, and we call it overrated. We are, we-
2: we are exp- we are expert at the troll layers and
0: <laughs> and good it's kind
2: of our thing actually I <laughs> absolutely i love
0: it so uh, so I, I hope you won't be offended so we call this overrated underrated or appropriately rated And so your your response to you know whatever prompt we give you is that and you can feel free to explain it in any way shape or form All right. uh try to we'll try to keep it I'm pg13 uh, i know some of these may may be trigger trigger warning for some Iowa state fans so just be be on the lookout for that honestly i'm not sure that you could like see we've been
2: I don't know, I'm sure you guys have noticed we've been doing our 100 things, 100 things Cyclone fans should forget about before yeah, they die yes. series the whole summer. So we've been re- we've been opening these old wounds all summer. I don't think there's anything you can do to hurt me
0: anymore. <laughs> okay, okay. Until football season. <laughs> uh, so so let's just I guess let's start with one that maybe that could potentially be hurtful. Let's just let's just start there. So uh, overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated. Common coaching uh, touch point for both of us. The one who failed forward, Gene Chizik overrated. He's, he's oh my gosh that guy he I will give him credit he when he came
2: to Iowa State he his first two guys well one of the one of the first guys he brought in well actually a guy that was a Chiswick recruit was Jake Knott, a good very good linebacker uh, for Iowa State he brought in he brought in lots of good players that ended up being very good for Iowa State that said, <laughs> He won five games in two years, bolted for Auburn, won a championship and then got fired like a year later. That guy, holy boy, God, I don't, I don't know how anybody could justify hiring him as a coach. I'm sure he's a great guy. And I, from what I hear, he has nothing but great things to say about Ames, but Ames don't got that much. Nice to say (laughs) about James. That's,
1: that's a perfect answer. No, that's, that's the type of, that's the type of takes we're looking for. So, (laughs) I <laughs>
2: which is odd cuz we we try to be the nice people most of the time like I think that's like kind of like an Iowa thing is we try to be the like Iowa, Iowa nice, nice but yeah. like, you know but you know what if you bolt on our football team you get the you get you get
1: the horns, or the or the husk end of the corn. I knew where you were going yes, with that. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. We, we
2: we exchange your toilet paper for corn husks. Oh,
0: that sounds awful. Full disclosure: <laughs> we cut we cut Iowa Nice from the over under and appropriately rated segment. That was that was in the running. Okay, fair enough.
1: Cutting room floor. So the next one uh, is just a personal personal favorite of mine. So to so consider that with your answer: overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated? Steel and the family Jants. Um.
2: Hmm i would say appropriately rated so steel was a real interesting dude he uh it actually is funny because his whole family is kind of little i don't know a little funky oh he's yeah got a brother named he's got a brother named stick <laughs> i think he's got another one I, i'm trying to remember he's got another one that's a, a name, real weird name. he has
1: a, there's a brother named truck as well
2: truck yes truck truck stick and steel yep <laughs> oh <laughs>
0: my right. gosh that's
2: uh I st- Steel Jance might have to be on an all-time name team as well. That's a great one. Right, uh, we, had, we, had, we had made T-shirts that was like Jance in my pants. Stuff like <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he, when he was when he was good, he was really good. Like uh, like I, I mean like uh, in the triple overtime game or double overtime game against Iowa, he had like he threw, I think he had like an eighty something percent completion percentage, like four touchdown passes, like one interception. I think he had a rushing touchdown too. He won that game by himself. When he, Steel Jance was good, he was really good. When he was bad, he was really bad, really <laughs> bad. It's like so bad. You get replaced by Jared Barnett twice in the same <laughs> season. Bad. Um, and B- Jared Barnett, bless his heart. He's a great kid. Beat Oklahoma state. Um, yeah, He had to go find playing time at Illinois state. Not a great quarterback. Uh, so <laughs> Steele lost his job to Jared twice. And, uh, so the lows are low. The highs are very, very high. Um, yeah, I would say appropriately rated. Steele's a great guy. We love having Steele as an, Iowa State alumni just because he's he's such an interesting dude. Last time we heard, I think someone actually got a someone found a picture of like someone took his picture like a year ago, and he's like he was like out in like we were we were expecting him to be like like a, like he would have grown wings at this point. He'd just come like a like a like a like a level six wood elf ranger something <laughs> like that. But at this point, uh, but he actually was out in California. I think working with his guys, like guys uh, like we were working for the moving truck like. Like moving people's houses. I don't know. There, there you me. go. So yeah, there you go. Steel Jants, man of, man of mystery.
0: I, I also love the, uh, the wood elf Ranger. That's a, that's a, that, yeah. that
2: it's me. In... I'm a big D and D guy. So I can, I love, I love sneaking those.
0: in. I love it. I love it. Okay. So, uh, let's, let's keep this moving in the, in the people that maybe trigger warnings for Iowa state fans, overrated, underrated or appropriately rated Iowa coach for life. Kirk Ferentz. <laughs> um, or am I? Am I rating like him as a coach, or what am I rating? It, that is completely subjective. However, you right. okay. choose to rate him,
2: I believe he is overrated as a coach. But I would like him to stay at Iowa for the rest of eternity. <laughs> uh, for that reason, because it's see, the great thing about about Kirk Ferentz is that, or or the yeah, the great thing about Kirk Ferentz is that he signed like. It's on an every other year basis. So on even numbered years, uh, he's like amazing. He's the, he's the greatest coach of all time. He gets into the 10-year extension. Uh, you know, he, he signed up to 2050 by the end of this year. Uh, and then in odd years, Hawkeye fans, why him gone? So this year, he's going to be Messiah of football. It's going to be great or whatever. And then next year, he's going to trigger every Hawk fan in the world. And it's going to be amazing. Um Ferentz, actually, it, unbelievably enough, you know, um, Iowa's one. I think they've, I don't remember exactly how many, they've won like four out of the last five Cy-Hog games, I think. Um, he still is only like 500 in his career against Iowa State. He's been coaching since 2000, or actually before that. Um, for as long as he's been coaching, and as good as Iowa has been at times, and as bad as Iowa State generally is, uh, he's only beat us half the time. Uh, we love we love Kirk Ferentz. Just as we. Uh, we don't love him as much as as we love Fran McCaffrey, but we do like Kirk Ferentz because we want him to be there forever because he pisses off Hawk fans almost as much as we do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Before I go to the last, I just want to tell you that you're, you're proving my point that I've said to Gerald many times and anyone who will listen, <laughs> Wide Right Natty Light is my is my second i guess third favorite because we are texas so there's two texas blogs on sp nation
2: two texas blogs
1: after tenches is that well you know there's a long story i'll tell you (laughs) off the air but um after texas i think y'all are my favorite big 12 blog at least if not in general i've been reading you for years love you guys literally uh, the the way that uh, i've learned to cope with the past few years of texas still have optimism in in um Years where you don't uh, you don't win national championships, uh, I, I lean on you for that. But
2: uh... we are pro- we are professional Sunnysiders, <laughs> and uh, but you know we uh, we are also we're, we're also um, I, w- I would call it masochists. That's probably
0: sure. That's just sure. fans yeah. in up... general, though.
2: Here's here's all you need to know about Iowa State fans. In 2014, Iowa State won three football games, and one of them was the last game of the season against Kansas. And late November in Ames, the high for the day was negative three degrees. The wind chill was negative 22, 58,000 cyclones showed up for that football game. (laughs) That's all you need to know. We showed up there. We all froze our, I'm sure, I'm sure appendages were lost that day, (laughs) but you know what? We beat Kansas.
1: Yeah, no. It it just just wanted to make sure I got that on air on the record. When I when when Texas has a bye week, or if uh, you know we're not playing Iowa State, I root for you every week. Y'all are uh, y'all are good. Folks. We'll send
2: you guys. Uh, we'll send you guys a wide right shirt.
1: There, oh, absolutely. I, I personally would love we'll one. We'll get you.
2: We'll, we'll get you. We'll get you guys one of our riot Bowl shirts. It's a, yes. it's a red. It's a red couch and a. Or sorry, it's a red dumpster and a blue and a blue couch. Yes, we'll get you guys a riot Bowl shirt so you can cheer us on when we play West Virginia. I, I, See these, what there's. Little spoiler alert. Actually, I think we're working on. We're actually going to get a real gas can to use as a rivalry trophy <laughs> this year. And it's actually so like like we'll, we're going to make a tradition from now on where like well we'll send a contingent out to Morgantown and they'll send somebody to Ames and we'll actually pa- like like pack the jack for the gas can. <laughs> so that would be great.
0: This That's is beautiful
1: go back and listen to our West Virginia one. Cause we found out from their, from their uh, managing editor, some interesting things about the legality of couches um, in, in Morgantown. But I do want to wrap it up with one final question here. And this one is a hot button one for Texas because it's a thing. Our fans have strong, strong opinions. So, and I know y'all are the, the golden standard overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated playing football on grass.
2: Oh, underrated. So, Iowa State. Actually, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the uh, whatever magazine rates football, college football or rates grass turf fields. Uh, Jack tries almost always wins the award for best grass field in America because mm-hmm. Iowa State has an extremely good turf management program. Like, like it's the top two in the country are Iowa State and Augusta, you know Augusta College, which is they manage the management right, yeah, right, in Georgia where they play the Masters, which makes sense. Um, but I would say it has like the second best turf management crew, scru- like school after them. So Jack Trice is, I actually would have had the privilege of going out on the grass just, uh, two weeks ago. Now we had a charity lunch and the names and we, you know, we had a little fun Q and a with Matt Campbell. And then we got to go out in the field and tour the new, f- uh, tour all the facilities and stuff like that. Uh, so I got, we actually got to go out on the grass and I, I have never seen grass in my life. That is so, it's so perfectly green there's no dead spots. It's soft as a pillow. Like you could have taken a nap on it. It's fantastic. Like I've I've never experienced grass like that in my life, and it was life changing. It was grass. It's
0: fantastic. <laughs> oh man. So uh, when when you're not when you're not podcast, I, I I don't know how to follow that. Never, <laughs> I say I say you probably never met someone so passionate about grass. Like oh no no we're, we're we're from
1: Austin. You you've heard of Ricky Williams. <laughs> That's true.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So so oh, so when you're not guesting on podcasts or playing D and D, where can where can our friends follow you on the internet?
2: All right. Well, actually, funny enough, I actually deleted my personal Twitter account about uh, most of a year ago now. Actually, and it's the best decision I've ever made. It was it's fantastic. I still run the Wide Right account, so you can just follow see if i said have at, at Wide Right Natty Light. Uh, it's like actually it's at W I D E R T. N a t t y l t, it's kind of a weird thing, but if you search for wide, Ray, right, you can find us. Um, that's the only Twitter account that I run. I probably, I probably ninety five percent of the tweets on that account. Um, I don't want you to find me on Facebook because you're because people creeping on me and stuff. No, it's fine. It's Levi Stevenson there's like five of us in the
0: world so it's great there you go and then always you can catch them at wide right and natty light <laughs> there you go uh, levi yeah. thank you so much for uh taking some time Absolutely. out this has been incredible and uh we look forward to to, to doing this again at some point point. and now's the time of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in college sports overall one of our favorite traditions on the 40 acres big bertha and we bang the drum so kyle what are you banging the drum on
1: this week Doing the research that I do for this podcast, um, you know, I like to take in sources from from all over the, the vast internet and, and academia. And so, there was a a, um, a research study done, a, a very thorough, rigid um, academic study done. And, and what they what they looked at was. Um, kind of the success of various programs, of, of top-tier programs across what we'll call the marquee or revenue-generating big three sports, um, you know, that being men's basketball, men's men's uh, baseball, and of course, men's football. Um, so, you know, looking at it, everything from, you know, titles, um, conference titles, top 10 finishes, top five finishes, um, if you, you know, postseason success, those types of things. So, so some pretty, you know, cast a wide net but it gives a pretty good idea they they kind of weighed these and and came out with it with an ultimate thesis. So, you know, I'll give a just a brief look at, at what they looked at as modern era because I think that's an important piece of this. Um and so what they looked at for football um, was when scholarships kind of got limited, which was a change. And that was in 1994. Um, And in basketball is when it went to um, the modern era was when NCAA tournament went to 64 teams, which was 1985. And then similarly, I think um, late eighties when, um baseball i think 88 when baseball uh, postseason expanded their tournament so kind of knowing that that's what we're calling modern era um i thought the interesting thing was um was looking at all of that and again taking out ut's historic legacy um pre-80s um you know all the wins all the national titles everything like that ut in the modern era still ranked six in this kind of aggregated metric across those three sports um so i'm now going to pause there and 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 reveal the source so um who did this extensive study well none other than uh our, our sister i guess um little sister site um the uh good bull hunting great guys over there um did this and that is a texas a&m um publication and uh, my favorite piece is that they they unflinchingly would not uh mention how, how texas fared um they obviously looked at it from an a&m standpoint and i, I respect them for that um but what they you know, kind of um, definitively confirmed for me is that this is not a rivalry. Um, you know, UT ranked sixth in this metric modern era across all three kind of big sports and Texas A&M again, out of the 65 teams uh, ranked came in at a, uh, a decent, I guess 49th. So big brother, little brother, hook horns.
0: Wow. The troll is real. I, I, I'm interested to see what our Twitter mentions are like this week, Kyle. Uh after my hot take over uniforms and now this. It's gonna be interesting. Uh so my uh, my bang the drum this week is on some uh, on some science, I guess, maybe. Kyle took the math, I took the science. <laughs> we'll have an engineering uh person on next week to keep us moving in this STEM direction. No so um uh, for camp this year, the Texas program has rolled out some player safety measures, which I'm all for uh, making the game safer, the game I love. Uh, but offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and linebackers are now wearing uh, some extra padding on their helmets to help uh, reduce shock that would normally induce concussions or, post-conc or, you know, kind of, uh, not pre- post-concussive, but like pre-concussive uh, processes, you know. The offensive linemen are in the trenches. The linebackers are, are banging every play, so the likelihood of them catching a... You know, a concussion based upon repeated uh, head trauma is is pretty high, and so I just, I'm not the guy to to take the 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 you know the the aggression and violence completely out of football. That's not me. I'm not I'm not that guy. I I am a firm believer that I think football is a great way to um, instill a lot of life lessons in someone. Uh, But if there are ways to make this a safer game where we don't leave people that cannot walk, that cannot operate on their own by the age of 40. Uh, And so seeing this is a move in the right direction. Now I wish they would expand it outside of linemen and linebackers and, and uh, you know, seeing the whole team wearing these, I would love to see the incidentally look at some rules maybe as how we can incorporate this into a game setting. Again, I, I do not want, to change football fundamentally. I am not that guy. But we live in the year of our Lord two thousand and eighteen. There are ways technologically to to make this game safer on the human body. That would push comes to shove. You've got guys that are running into each other at the speed of car crashes that are the size of small cars. That's just that's just the way it isn't and, and again, don't don't hear me saying change football fundamentally. That's not I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy that wants the game to be upended and to take away contact. But I do think that if you actually care about the people that are in the jerseys and that are in the, the equipment, then you really should think that this is a good idea. Cause if you think anything else, then I'm not a hundred percent convinced that you actually care about the people. You're just trying to see something entertaining that you could never do yourself. So that's, we can just leave that for movies maybe and not put actual real life humans in danger if their name aren't Tom Cruise, but he's doing that on his own.
1: Yeah. I mean, like you said, if if you, if you feel that, you know, nothing should be done, I think it's kind of like you basically like NASCAR to watch the car wrecks. You know, you're, you're watching for the, for the violence of, of people, you know, crashing into each other. I think the denial of, of science and, and the ability to, to advance is, uh, is ignorant at this point. So I think for football to survive, for the next generation it has to innovate and and in that innovation it has to protect uh these athletes um you know making it a viable option for the long term so i think spot on spot on Joe.
0: yeah and, and again i i love football i love the sport it is my favorite thing in the world and i cannot wait to watch my son play and, and coach his teams. but uh at a at some point We've got to use this massive technology we have to make sure that nobody ends up a vegetable anymore From because we wanted to watch them play football. Uh, but that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet?
1: You can find me on Twitter, at Kyle Carpenter. As always, you can find my, my hot food takes, etc., on Instagram, at Kyle Ryan Carpenter there.
0: That man takes some food photos. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. And again, feel free to shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicpod at gmail.com. Thanks so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook em. Hook em.